0: this is jay jay how
1: you doing man really good really good how things on your end
2: uh they are fantastic we're having a good time uh i am span uh my cohort art is here pouting I'm not uh, pouting, no. Yes, you Why are. Why am I pouting? Because uh, you have this pouty look on your face.
3: Okay, I'm just ready to get this and make this happen. This guy's got a lot of stuff going on. He's got a, His band's got a hit on the radio. He doesn't have time to hear about our drama. Okay. Not a
2: hit, two hits, which is the first question I want to ask you. Jay, <laughs> what was it like when your first song, Being Signed to Atlantic, goes to number one?
1: Well, look, man, I mean, you know, we're going to be making music and writing songs and, and touring and all of that. Whether we have a number one or, or we don't,
0: of course, of course. Get fe-
1: to, to get that feather in your cap, it's kind of like um, it puts a lot of gas in your tank, and it ensures uh, it ensures that our audience is going to continue to grow, and that helps us on every level. And we've never had a number one before. Have you guys? So, you, you guys, know, guys haven't Atlantic, had anything Atlantic, on the charts, if I'm correct. Uh, no, I mean not not to this degree, not in the, not in the United States.
2: Okay. Um, okay.
1: So it, that was a that was a huge win for us, and just to get that kind of recognition, um, it was a new thing. Like, it was, on one hand, it was
0: uh,
1: you know, it, it felt the same, but on the other, it was a good pat on the back, and it, it just put a lot of wind in our sails.
3: Do you attribute that to opening up for for great acts? I mean, you know, it's it's the theory that if you go on tour with a big act, you get your you get your band exposure. And after just reading, uh, you've been on tour with some pretty huge acts like Alice Cooper, Kid Rock, uh, ACDC. What are those experiences like? And and do you think that that has helped uh, shape your band into being a more recognizable band?
1: You know, that's a good question, and I think that there are a couple of different answers to that. Um, number one, it, it all comes down to accumulative exposure. I know that for bands, no matter what level you're at, you know, if you're just getting out of the garage and you're just starting to play, um, you know, small clubs and, and get gigs wherever you can, um, or... You know, if you're playing theaters and you're trying to get to that next level, I think that getting, if you get an opportunity, take the opportunity.
0: Right, right.
1: You have to put, you've got, you have to throw in for that accumulative exposure, you know, like, so whether it's opening for uh, over a year for Black Sabbath, for the Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, or any of these bands, Deep Purple. Lenny Kravitz, we've, we've opened for everyone. I think that it's a, it's a matter of showing up and taking the gig and, and accepting that you have to take your knocks, but you've got to stay in the ring. So it, nothing ever comes down to one shot for you. you have to, you've got to realize that you got to show up and you've got to punch in to the clock and you got to put your time in. And that you're never done earning your dues. You got to keep earning your dues.
3: Now you had said, obviously, it's not one shot. You know, it's not that one band that l- lets you open up for that. But but is there that one experience that comes to mind to where you're like, wow, our message is getting out there, our sound is getting out there, our band as a whole is really going to the next level thanks to this experience? I mean, has there been one band that is taking you on tour that that you felt that way after the tour was wrapped up?
1: You know, when it comes to that sort of a thing, the answer is, yes, there's been that one shot, but that one shot's happened about 200 times.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: so, well, I, you know, if that makes sense, like, yeah. because each time it, each time you get the opportunity, and it comes around, you got to seize the opportunity and take the gig, because, uh, it, but it's only going to get you, you know, that, that one or two steps forward. And then some shots are going to take you 20 steps forward. Some of them are gonna take you fifty steps forward, but it's never not for nothing. Like each time it it means something and you're getting further down the road and further toward your goal and every little piece helps.
2: So you said you had to take a lot of knocks on your way to where you to who you've become. What was that one knock where you were like, uh, I don't know if we can keep doing this?
1: <laughs> you, you know, there was <laughs> That's a, it's important to recognize those things. I believe there was this one gig that we had, and we it, it was early on in the band's career for Rival Sons. Um, you got to understand, just for context, everyone in the band we're all career musicians. We've yep. all been doing this since we were kids. Yep. So then, when we got together to form the band, everybody already had a lot of mileage under their belt in terms of dealing with what it takes to stay in the ring. But there's one shot in particular, uh, I think it was back in 2011, you know, and we were on a a U.S. tour, and, um, and we got booked in Cleveland at the Agora Theater. And, uh, and we were basically playing smaller places just trying to get the word out, right? Right. But we got placed. There was a, there was a promoter in Cleveland um, and a, in conjunction with a, a radio spot where they really had big dreams. And they booked us at the Agora, which is a very prestigious old, old venue. It's an old Alan Freed venue. And we got booked there. And we, we get there, and we're thinking, this place is pretty big. Uh, we're headlining. And then there were supposed to be two um, local opening acts. Well, they both drop out. Mm. What it really comes down to is we're getting ready to go on. They end up finding some other local band to open for us. We're getting ready to go on. And I'm looking out there. There are five people in this um, 2,000-seater five people in the entire audience and two of those people is the promoter and his wife. Ay. And we're looking at it and and we're backstage and we're just thinking like, well, we need we gotta play. We need our guarantee because we need that gas money to get to the next town. Ugh. And um we're looking at that and so we, we really we took that opportunity, we, we went back we sat there and it was really that huddle that you would see, you know, in the movie, it's that part of the movie where we we have to pull it together. Like, what are we really playing for? Yeah. We have to play for each other. So let's get out there and give those five people, let's, let's play for 5,000 in front of those five people.
0: Now see what And you... we
1: did that and that, and that's the way it went down. And it, that was one of our, our best shows we had ever played to that point.
3: Now you say, you know, you get out there and you play as if there's, you know, 10,000 people there. You see that a lot in sports where a team could be down by 10, 15, 20 points and they are playing hard all the way through. And you see that a lot in the music scene too to where you go out and you play a show whether there's 500 people, whether there's 5,000 people. But if you had a preference, obviously, you know, doing arena tours is awesome. Doing the big tours to where, you know, you're, you're playing the amphitheaters is, is awesome. But now that you guys have reached that level, Of success. Do you miss the smaller shows? Do you miss, like, you know, like here in Michigan, we've got the loft, we've got the machine shop. Do you miss playing those smaller venues? Hell no. That was the best answer you could have given. Hell, no! Those There's, days are gone.
1: There is no way, no way in the world. Oh my God, no! You pay your dues. Listen, you pay your dues, and you spend years. You spend years and years doing that. But those gigs are so important because it develops and it galvanizes what you're at. It, those those gigs galvanize what your DNA is going to be. They galvanize what what your ethic is but we've already paid those dues and no I don't miss that at all I don't miss I, I, don't, yeah, you like I don't, miss
0: services,
1: don't you like having full craft services don't you McDonald's <laughs> Yeah I like I I don't miss the days of living on um 299 cent cheeseburgers for you know for the entire day I did no, that I don't miss that at all I
2: did that yes I did that in radio uh, So what you've done a lot of t- You guys have been around for years You've been blowing up stages across the country In the world for a while Until you finally started to get this uh, This, this uh, chart recognition But like what show Did you get like what like What band What What band showed up And was like hey we want you on tour with us The first one where you're like Oh wow those guys want us to tour with them like what band was that
1: well listen there have been a lot yes there have been a lot there have been a lot of those bands and i'm very privileged to be able to say that to you. yes today. but if there is there, if there is one that really took us under the wing under their wing it was black sabbath um oh. we had played i know we had played an award ceremony out in los angeles and where we were being honored for something, and, and it just so happened that Ozzy and Sharon were there, along with a, a, a long list of living legends. Well, we played a couple of songs and really burned it down. And after that set, we were out in the press tent area doing um, interviews and different things. And we, we passed by um, Ozzy Osbourne. And he and Sharon just start talking to us. And they're loving it. A couple of days later, they contact our management, and they say, hey, you guys need to make it down to Brazil for a Monsters of Rock thing. I think they were just kind of giving a litmus, litmus test to see how we did on you know, playing for 100,000 people. Right. How we handled a big stage. Well, we did that, and then they asked us to be the sole opening band for Sabbath's final tour. God. And that tour... <laughs> that tour lasted over a year and what they effectively did is they gave us the opportunity to receive an education that you can't get any other way. Yeah. That's right on Yeah. Hey, we'll give you our arena for, you know, 45 minutes every night. There you go. Go learn how to be an arena band. And they did that for over a year. And that is real. That is a real leg up. That's like what you read about, in the books of other bands, of you know, getting that leg up from another legend, and uh, they gave us that opportunity, and it absolutely gave us, it gave us that taste of blood. And after that tour, we decided we will never eat at the kids' table again. There you right? Go. You know, that, we're we're, we're going to do this for real now.
2: You didn't just get the rub from a legend; you got it from the legend of legends, man. That's some major stuff right there hey and now looking at the tours that you guys have
3: gone on, and obviously we, we're gonna talk about your music and, and everything else but it just it very much interests me because you guys are a band that have opened up for so many different what is the difference between like a kid rock opening slot and a black sabbath opening opening slot because i just feel like those are two totally different worlds
1: Uh, They are completely different (laughs) worlds, you know, for Kid Rock, with what, uh, you know, for Kid Rock, you know, he works so hard. And and we've we've opened for him, um, I think, just two times, you know, really, really early on. And and I've um, I've gotten to know Bob, you know, a little bit over the years. And like you you take what what he's doing. And you look at that work ethic, and that's really, like, it, his career is a real testament to his work ethic. And I think that different artists draw different sorts of um, crowds. So, like, uh, the audience, you know, that you're going to get with Kid, with Kid Rock is not going to be the audience that you get with Deep Purple. <laughs> it's not going to be the audience that you, that you necessarily get for um, Aerosmith. Or for the Rolling Stones, but then you get the Rolling Stones. Like everyone goes to a Rolling Stones show, right? Everyone goes to a Sabbath show. Everyone goes to an Aerosmith show. Uh, whereas, like Kid Rock's thing is, a, it's a little bit more focus of a of an audience. Or for Kiss, Kiss is going to be a, a little bit more of a focused audience. But I think that you you get a different vibe and you get a different rhythm off of every crowd, even if it's uh, you you know. Even if it's the same band that you're opening for, two nights in a row in a different country or in a different city, that rhythm is going to be different each night because uh, a crowd has its own heart and it has its own breath. And uh, it's taken me it's taken me a long time to really see that and to really appreciate that you have to take each crowd on its own as its own identity you you don't just throw it out there because this isn't vaudeville you don't just set it and forget it okay I'm going to go out there and recite my lines like that night only takes place one time in your entire life because the next night it's going to be a completely different composition so you have to give the respect and the emotional gravity to that particular crowd and and give it what it deserves and what um, what it's giving out as well as what it's asking for
3: now you guys too have a history of of touring a, an album for a couple of years, and with uh, Feral Roots, which is the latest release from you guys, you guys have had so many singles from that, and I I think that that attributes to the success of the band uh, is when you can push out more singles, obviously, uh, and and it gets accepted by the audience. What do you uh, attribute that to? You guys have a very uh, almost a classic rock sound, uh, a blues sound that that it isn't repeated. And and every album you guys still continue with that blues heavy sound, but you have a different concept behind behind every album. What do you attribute that to?
1: I think that it. I, I think that with each record that you make, and then each song that you write on that record, I, I believe that the band. We look at it. In such a way that we're we play rock and roll. This is a rock and roll band, but we're also going to have different hybrid versions of what that formula is. And I think that we really try not to repeat ourselves because you recognize once you're going over ground that you've you've already been through. And I think that we've we've uh, we've been very careful not to retread at all because. The audience is one thing, but we can also call each other out on the B.S., you know, and and we're not there to try to replicate what we've done or to try to replicate a formula. I realize that we probably could be a lot more successful or that we could have had success, a greater success earlier on had we chosen to do that. But I think that once you take a formula that way, we see that in, in rock music. Um, and in pop music as well. Once you adhere to a formula, it's only uh, it's only a matter of time before you fold over on yourself and right. you get crushed by your own weight. Yeah, you become and we your own cover band. Doing that exactly, you end up replicating uh, your own mythology, and um, we just don't have any desire to do that. Whether you like us or you don't like us or you love us, um, if you listen to the catalog you can definitely see that we, we definitely change it up and we, we try to uh, reach new territory with each record.
2: Awesome. So I have one last question for you. Um, what is the most memorable thing you ever received from a fan? Good or bad, crazy, whatever. What thing ha- you, all, you guys got and you were all like, okay, th- wow, wow. What was that wow thing you ever got from a fan?
1: There are a lot of things you can receive. Yes, yes, there are uh, of, of many varieties. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think that probably the greatest thing that I've ever received from a fan is not something um, that you can hold in your hand. It's 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 the compliment or or the conversation of of them telling me, "Hey, this one song." Really helped me when I was on the edge. Uh, you know, and it really stopped me from making a really bad decision, you know. I think that having a con- having those conversations, it validates what you're doing artistically more than anything else, because if you can be of service, if you can help to make a difference, even though sometimes you get out there and it it feels like your entire Situation and all your efforts are in vain sometimes because it's a real roller coaster ride. Yeah, the highs are high and the lows are the lows can be really oh. low. Well. And so, and sometimes you don't think your horse is going to make it to the next mission by sundown, and you don't think you have enough water to get there. Well, when you knowing what you've what we've been through personally and collectively as a band, um. When I can sit there and have a conversation with somebody and they're saying, "Hey, when I was really in need, this song helped me get help get me through this really tough spot," um, because you don't set out to do that as an artist, because that's really high-minded. But I think when when I've been uh, really put put on my heels talking with people and they say, "Hey, this music really helped me," um, it doesn't get any better than that. It it just doesn't.
3: Jay from Rival Sons. Of course, you guys are going to be uh, coming to Michigan end of September with STP. And we greatly appreciate your time, man. Love the new album. And uh, thank you for taking and time. We can't
2: out. wait for the show, man. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, thank
3: you for taking time out of your day to uh, chat with us, slow folk.
1: Absolutely. And I just want to give a, a quick thank you to you guys. And, um, and not just you guys, but Terrestrial Radio in general. I think that th- this is... This is uh, such an important part of, of our cultural f- fabric. And I think that with all of the stimuli and all of the different ways we can listen to music and, and interact, the, um, the plain nature of terrestrial radio is something that we need to preserve and protect. And, uh, and greatly, greatly appreciate your guys' help.
2: That is an unbelievably magnanimous thing to say, considering this is the first album radio has really given you guys some credit for.
1: Yeah, of course. Radio, I mean, people, listen, people don't consider this, but radio is what helped people understand what is going on in their community, going all the way back to the beginning of radio. Like, that's where people would understand like where they can get jobs, where they can uh, they catch the weather, they catch everything. They find out what's going on in their community, in their county. Terrestrial radio was where you got all of that information. And so then when rock and roll and pop music came along all of that happened together that it happened as a community and it spread like wildfire whenever anything really hit and uh that's why it was a cultural phenomenon when the music industry really took hold and that's really romantic to me so i love radio
3: couldn't have said it more beautifully man thank you so much for your time we appreciate
1: you all right thank you we'll see you when we come through